Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. A Strange Tale Concerning a Pool Table by M. D. Vickers I did wonder why the Yard of Ale Arms had opted for a second-hand pool table, as opposed to a brand new one. In the end, I reasoned that the decision had been made on a purely financial basis, nothing more. The table itself possessed a soiled green cloth, some of the stains looking decades old, and woodwork which had seen much abuse. To its credit, it played a surprisingly good game of pool, the majority of the time. However, occasionally, the table behaved very oddly indeed, as this true account will subsequently explain in further detail. The table has now been disposed of, irreparably, yet the unsettling memory of it still remains. When I heard someone explaining to someone else in the yard of ale arms that the pool table had attacked him, I obviously couldn't help laughing and joking about it to my mates. The bloke went on to say that after he'd placed his two tenpence pieces into the appropriate slots and activated the push-and-pull mechanism, the balls had initially refused to release themselves. He had immediately given the metal tray another, more vigorous shove, and according to the white-faced narrator of the tale, a low growl had emanated from within the pool table like an angry dog, before the balls dispensed themselves with a thunderous rumble. After a long pause, he shakily continued, and told his strainingly serious-faced listener that as he had placed the triangle on the surface of the table, and then stooped to retrieve the balls from the aperture at the front, he had experienced a tugging sensation on his hand. Consequentially, his arm was then yanked inside the bowels of the pool table, up to the elbow. Frantically, he had commenced the operation of attempting to withdraw it, which he managed to do after two or three long seconds. A resulting examination of the freed limb revealed the entire surface area of skin, from just above the elbow downwards, to be covered in what looked like red chalk. He then went on to describe a burning sensation that began to manifest itself on the affected area. At that moment, his mate emerged from the gents, and he had charged past him, shoulder-barged the toilet door open, and dipped his stinging arm into the water of the toilet. He then used his right hand to splash the slightly discoloured water onto it, and rinse away the obnoxious powder that had succeeded in eating its way through the epidermis in several places. It had washed off without any problems, and the flushing mechanism was promptly activated to dispense with the crimson concoction. He had remained knelt there for three or four minutes longer, wishing he had worn a long-sleeved shirt, and wondering whether or not he was losing his mind. His mate had wandered in partway through his horrified musing, and asked him if he was all right. Before he left the pub shortly after, he mentioned nothing to anyone about the macabre incident, telling his mate that he was merely tired and would go home, as he had an early start for work in the morning. Apparently, this had happened eleven days ago. As far as I was aware, no one else had reported anything about the pool table, and the man's state of mind was certainly open to question. To be fair, his left hand did look an unnaturally pinky-reddish colour. He was now wearing a long-sleeved denim shirt, although that could have several rational explanations, with some sort of allergic skin condition, and an accident with some very hot water being just two of them. 
My three mates and I decided on a game of doubles, seeing as it was the first time the table had been vacant whilst we had been in. As things turned out, it was the worst mistake we could ever have made. We strolled brazenly over to the table, pints in hand and laughing raucously. Change was sorted out and placed untidily on the scarred woodwork. The two teams were quickly arranged, as I stooped to insert the necessary coinage into the tray. Despite the alcohol intake, my heart began to thud harder and quicker, as I first pushed, then pulled the tray back out to eject the balls. Subconsciously holding my breath, I stood back up and instantly felt calmer, as the pool balls rattled and rolled within the table, and assembled themselves in the front opening. Squatting once again, I gingerly reached in, and gained access to the chipped and grimy globes nestled there. Instantly, an odour assailed my nostrils, and a nostalgic déjà vu washed over me. It was a smell akin to primary school corridors, that of air tainted by age. I began to take the balls out gingerly, anticipating a grabbing sensation at any moment. None came, and I reached for my chosen cue and pint of lager, as my partner, Simon Eckersall, proceeded to brick. I thought you were a fucking goner there, Andy, when you were scooping them balls out. I turned to my other mate, Graham Morley, who'd voiced the comment. He was draining his pint glass and grinning amiably. It's a load of bollocks, I returned vehemently. Blokes lost it. I've seen him before. Always struck me as being fucking weird. The balls exploded over the table, several of them unseeingly dropping into pockets. After a study of the remaining balls, it was ascertained that two reds and a yellow had gone down. Nice one, bud. I remarked to a somewhat serious-faced Eckersall. He eradicated two more reds before playing a terrible shot on the third. Martin James, my other mate, began the process of mopping up two easy yellows perched on the brinks of both middle pockets. Two blokes entered the pool area at this stage. One look at them was all it needed to compile an instant psychological profile—dickheads. They began staring at us in turn— my heart accelerated once more as I realized that trouble was ahead. They were unfamiliar to me, not local dickheads. Martin, his concentration severely disturbed by the presence of these two shits, fluffed a yellow he would have casually sunk under relaxed circumstances. I surveyed the present situation on the bays, glancing at the menacing pair under the overhanging lighting. One of them was muttering something down the other's ear with— Drunken over-elaboration, rage flashed up in my brain. I had an almost insurmountable urge to launch myself at them, smashing the top of my glass on the cigarette machine on the way, and using the lethal jagged edge to hack and slash their leering faces to ribbons. Instead, I took my shot, narrowly missing a long red. Regaining my erect stance and reaching for my almost empty glass, one of the idiots then decided to speak— you fuckers play for bets. As if the unnecessary, irrational, and totally disrespectful comment wasn't bad enough, the acoustics behind it were of a slow and adenoidal nature. I couldn't believe that despite the fact there were four of us and only two of them, he appeared so assertive and cocksure of himself. I opened my dry mouth to unleash an acidic comment. Self-restraint had been rendered inoperable by pure anger and loathing. When Graham preceded me, with a respectable reply of his own. Yeah, we fucking do, arsehole. You up for it? 
It was a statement and a question, both delivered with a hundred percent confidence and self-assurance. I stared at him with an awe-stricken and respectful fascination. The bloke concentrated his gaze solely on Graham Morley, weighing up the situation. He then glanced at the rest of us again, before placing two silver coins down on the table with an exaggerated slap. I think only I noticed what happened next. The pool table seemed to shudder slightly, and there was a sort of slithering sound emitted from within it, concluding with several hollow clunks. If anyone else had observed it, they showed no signs of having done so. My face, however, must have appeared ghostly pale, with wide, bloodshot eyes fixed on the thing we were surrounding. I told myself it was just the balls moving around a bit, having not initially gone down correctly. The four of us finished our game, with somewhat less enthusiasm than when we'd started. The night had been marred, the good mood distinctly soiled. When I finally rolled the black into the middle pocket, mild relief washed over me. I wanted to get the next frame, with these two gargoyles over with. The sooner the better, and preferably a win. So, which two you were playing us, then? It was the other one who spoke this time. Even though his vocals weren't nasally impaired, they nevertheless irked me all the same. Graham spoke again, after a brief conference. Me and Andy there have decided to thrash the living shit out of you. What is your wager? The two of them joined heads. Eventually— A tenor! Cover it! Put it on the side of the pool table! The adenoidal one slammed his bill down onto the cushion. The pool table growled softly. There was another vile slithering sound from within, and it trembled briefly from side to side. What the fuck? Adenoids jumped back, staring at the table with lip-curled revulsion. The rest of us also created more space between ourselves and the macabre reality-defying structure. Perhaps there's truth in it after all, Simon Eckersall shakily uttered, after a hefty swallow of lager. Truth in what? It was Adenoids's mate again. He was alternating glances between Simon and the pool table, a jittering hand applying a cigarette to his mouth. This pool table attacked somebody, I said simply. Dragged their arm in up to the shoulder. The bloke said it was as if it was trying to swallow him. He managed to get his arm out eventually, but he swore never to play on it again. There was a three-second silence after I finished speaking, before Adenoids verbally severed the menacing atmosphere. Fuck off, you bullshitter. You're just trying to put us off playing. Well, it's not fucking worked. He grabbed two coins from the cushion, vigorously screwed them into the slots, and rammed the tray in and out with a loud cry of, Bastard! Nothing happened. I was holding my breath again, and my heart was hammering sickly against my breastbone. You fucking— The tray was subjected to a frenzied succession of in-and-outs. A vibrating effect commenced starting with a low hum and terminating with a furious rattling and shaking. The bizarre spectacle lasted about seven or eight seconds. After the peculiar motion had ceased, the balls spurted out into the opening, several fiercely ejecting and striking the fruit machine a couple of yards away. "'Jesus Christ!' was all Adenoids could manage, as he went to retrieve the balls. The rest of us just stared at the scene, transfixed, I made a mental note that this would be the last game I was ever playing on this—this thing before us. It was as if it was alive, as if it had feeling, emotions. 
The balls were racked up and a coin was tossed. Prior to that, Graham had placed a crumpled ten bill on top of the existing one, while the rest of us each sorted out our contributions. Graham then called, by way of a tales never fails. On this occasion, however, it did. Adenoids opted to break, while Graham paid the bar a visit to get the next round in. A glance at my watch informed me it was just after ten. I turned back to the table, in time to see the white strike the pack with incredible force and leave the bays. It hit the cigarette machine and rolled into the darting area, where an old bloke rolled it back with an affable grin and eluding commentary. With a bellow of rage, Adenoids aimed the sole of a suede shoe at the side of the pool table and gave it a hefty boot. His anger unabated, he then proceeded to rain a fusillade of blows down onto the discoloured cloth with the side of his fist. His mate eventually managed to drag him away, screaming abuse. I placed the cue ball into the D, and took immediate advantage of the foul. The feel of the cloth under my fingertips was vaguely repulsive, I noted again. It had the texture of human skin somehow. I pushed the unsettling thought away, and potted a second yellow, just as Graham returned with four pints supported on a tray. "'The table's not eaten anybody yet, then,' he remarked humorously, putting the tray down on a table in the corner. "'I'll smash it to fucking pieces before it ever gets the chance,' Adenoid spat from his seated position. I played safe off a third yellow and sat down, taking a big swallow of lager in the process. Adenoids's mate took the stand, and executed a mediocre, alcohol-phased shot that succeeded in leaving Graham with an easy opening. "'You useless!' Adenoids erupted to his partner, as he staggered back to the table for his pint, with a look of profound concern on his slack face. "'Fuck off! Your shot flew off the fucking table! Don't call me!' Graham began the operation of mopping up several yellows in his usual composed manner. I often wondered how he managed to remain so calm and tranquil, regardless of what life threw at him. I made a mental note to definitely ask him what his method was, in less intense circumstances, intense as far as I was concerned, anyway. He ended his session by rolling the white off one of the two remaining yellows, and leaving it half an inch short of the bottom cushion. Adenoids erected himself, stooped instantly, and belted the cue ball, seemingly without any degree of thought, at a group of three reds clustered together on the side cushion. One of them plopped into a bulk corner pocket, after rebounding off the jaw of the opposite middle one. His interest renewed, he took another hefty swipe at a solitary red, which rebounded off the black plastic at the back of the pocket. Before returning to his seat, another kick was directed at the table with malicious, drunken venom. The table promptly issued a roar of unrestrainable wrath. "'Stop that, you stupid shit!' I spat at him, terror flooding my brain. The table continued to vibrate and snarl for a good ten seconds, before subsiding once more. I cleared up the last two yellows, and narrowly missed a double on the black. It boggled in the corner jaw, and remained an inevitable pot for Graham next time round. Adenoids and company still had six reds left. Adenoids's buddy miscued his shot, the white rolling to the left a tragic couple of inches. He was consequently punched at the back of the head as he erected his stance. The blow succeeded in knocking his head into the overhead lighting. Dust rained down onto the pool table, which was now alternating between bright and shady. 
A brief brawl between the two of them ensued, before we managed to wrench them apart and succeed in partly calming them down. Graham mopped up the black, rolling the white into the same pocket, and promptly reached out for the two tenors, half hanging over the side of the table. Adenoids's pudgy hand closed over his forearm. Double or quits, he rasped, his eyes round and bloodshot. Graham calmly agreed, and slowly withdrew his arm. If you desire to suffer another humiliation, then who are we to stop you? Adenoids pulled out change from the back pocket of his baggy jeans, even though there was still change left on the table. He was breathing heavily. His face was set in a twisted snarl. He dropped the two coins into the slot, and pushed. Nothing happened. Again, the tray was given a hefty shove. The table refused once more, with a scream of, Right, that's fucking it! Adenoids charged round to the front of the table and proceeded to lift it up and down. Realizing this was achieving nothing, he stormed over to the other end, and squatted down. He then just stared inside the table, keeping his head well clear, and began cursing incoherently. The next thing that happened would have been hilarious, if it hadn't been so disturbingly unbelievable. The back of the pool table suddenly flipped up, and Adenoids was yanked inside, the rear panel immediately closing again with a slam. All five of us just stood, and sat there, unmoving, for a good five seconds. During that seemingly lengthy period of time, muffled screams were emanating from within the table, coupled with thrashing sounds. The very structure was shaking and growling, its wrath no longer semi-contained. "'I'll get the landlord. You'll not see if you can get him out,' Graham having been the one to break through the disbelief barrier first, made his way over to the bar. The rest of us began to tug at the side panelling, in a vain bid to get inside. Looking through the clear plastic of the ball chute, I could see Adenoids's arm, now a sinister red colour through it. The muffled screams persisted, as we struggled. The vibrations were also getting more enthusiastic, the table literally rocking on its legs. Graham was returning, with the ashen-faced landlord leading the way. "'What the fuck's going on here?' He had withdrawn a bunch of keys from his pocket, and was hastily scanning them for the correct one. Finding it, he unlocked the ball tray and slid it out with trembling hands. Adenoids's arm immediately flung itself out of the opening, the entirety of it caked in a crimson-coloured powder. The hand was clenching and unclenching, the howls of terror still bizarrely muffled and distorted, even though they were no longer contained. Looking detachedly across to the bar, I observed Graham using the phone, no doubt ringing for an ambulance, or the fire brigade. Hysterical laughter almost bubbled up from my throat, until the actuality of the whole scenario finally struck home and dried up the mirth. There was no way the hapless pool player could be dragged out via the exposed ball trough. The aperture, although long— was only about four inches in height. The panel at the back, the one that had opened, was again tried in vain. It was as if the table was holding itself in deliberately, unwilling to let go of its prey. Graham returned once again, looking utterly dumbstruck. Fire brigade's on its way. I again had an urge to let forth an explosion of nervous laughter. The grave faces of the people around me served to stifle it this time. We were— utterly powerless to do anything at all, except stand there, 
gaping aghast at the shocking spectacle. The pool table carried on its violent rocking, demonic wails now accompanying the muffled yelps of the unfortunate victim. It could have been only minutes before the firefighters arrived. No way of exactly knowing. This time seemed to have become suddenly meaningless, in the face of such traumatic events. Whilst obviously overcome with disbelief and unreality themselves, they acted swiftly, with specialist cutting equipment, and proceeded to open up the table. One of the side panels, the one opposite the side containing the ball trough, fell away with a dull clatter. A sinister vapour exited from the opening, in almost the same instant, emitting a terrifying shriek as it vanished through the closed fire-exit door of the pub. One of the firemen, wearing heavy-duty gauntlets, reached inside and dragged out the body housed there, that was now motionless. Adenoid struck the floor bonelessly. He was covered from head to foot in red chalk. A low sizzling sound could be heard, as the chalk continued to dissolve away his skin. His eyes were wide open, the whites now a dark, red colour. The fireman who had hauled him out, and was now leaning over him with a look of horror stamped on his face, was peering into the open mouth which seemed strangely locked in a terrified rictus. With morbid curiosity, the rest of us did likewise. My hand automatically clamped over my own mouth, to stifle any screams that might have erupted. Crammed into the back of his throat, wedged in between his red back teeth, was what appeared to be a pool ball, the cue ball to be exact. As a consequence, it would appear he had choked to death. The pool table was destroyed personally by the landlord that same night. He told us, a couple of days later, when we went in again, that he had discovered a tattered piece of hessian cloth wrapped around what appeared to be a bone of some description, within the bowels of the table. He also told us that this too had been suitably destroyed.